The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have you had chronic confusion, doubt, depression? Have you ever felt alone, disconnected, indecisive, and not had anybody be able to help you? If you've had this disconnect, indecisiveness, today is your day, because we're going to discuss, where are all the angels? Where are all the messengers? Where are your angels? Where are your messengers? In today's world, it's very common to be in the darkness, to be in confusion. Right now it's COVID, then it's politics, and then it's all these difficulties. People are arguing, and you just can't get caught up in that. But where do you get answers? Where do you get messengers? Sometimes you feel alone in it. Today's show is going to change your life because it's going to teach you how to get illumination from your brain, your body, the darkness, by connecting to the divine and wherever you can. And we're going to show you where the angels are. We're taking your show, we're taking your calls, 816-251-3555 from within the U.S. and Canada. But remember, unityonlineradio.org is live, live every Wednesday from 4, 4 p.m. Central Time 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can get this show on your favorite podcast provider, as well as you can join this show live like you're doing right now with a question every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You know, archangels, we're always talking about archangels and we're talking about angels. We always say, you know, you're an angel. You showed up in the middle of nowhere and you just gave me what I needed. Now we hear about archangels. What is an angel and what's an archangel? And how do we get a hold of these people? Well, angels are messages from the divine. And archangels angels are people in charge. They're just connected to the divine. We've heard of people who are connected. They're in Congress. They might be connected to the president, the queen, the pope. They're connected. 
They're the grand poobahs. And arch means the top. You're in charge. It's the top of the arch. The top of the angels. But that doesn't mean there aren't other angels that have messages from the divine. In fact, all of us, when we sleep at night, we have micro seizures in our brain. And that's a great way in which we get connected to the divine. We also get messages for each other through intuition, through an area of our brain that is electrical. All of us, when things move in our body, electrons, either in our neurological system and so on, we create a magnetic field. And people aside of us create a magnetic field. And so we're aware on some level when someone else is upset, depressed, sick, pain, and so on. So much that science manipulates these magnetic fields. And then, of course, we comment on other people directly or indirectly. And that can change each other's lives. So much that we become key messengers at key times in each other's lives. The definition of an angel is a messenger. And we may not like when someone gives us a message. I remember the first time I gave someone a message. It wasn't really probably the message that someone wanted to give. It was in the first grade. Teacher gets up and says, I'm going to announce the people in the Bluebird group. Following people are going to be in the Bluebird reading group. And she names the list. And so I raise my hand and announce a message to the class. You're not fooling us. I'm telling you right now, and I'm telling everybody in this class, the Bluebird group we know are the people who don't read good. Well, I didn't have good English then. I don't have good English now. The point of the matter is I thought I was a messenger for everybody. I was going to let people know what was really going on. Of course, I got detention. I had to stay in for recess. The thing is, is that some people aren't real polite messengers. And they're angels in our life that change our lives. They're not real fun. They might, oh, I don't know, fire us in a job, forcing us to, in fact, necessity is a mother invention, force us to create or dig up skills that we wouldn't have had if we stayed in that state job or working in I don't know what. We create out of necessity another job. In fact, I wouldn't be working in medical intuition if I hadn't blown discs in my neck. I would have been in neurology. So in many ways, an illness for me was a messenger. It forced me into psychiatry and then medical intuition. I wouldn't be here. And then when I tried to go into neurology again, I sneezed, blew two more discs, and that was it for me. It was like my discs were messengers that said, no neurology for you. Archangels are chiefs. And in fact, there's said to be seven of them. Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, Uriel, and three of them I can't pronounce because I have a speech impediment. Saraquel, no, not Saraquel, the medicine, but Saraquel, Raquel, and Remiel. They all sound like medicines to go to sleep for me. But anyway, needless to say, there are seven of these puppies, seven archangels. And in medical intuition, there are seven energy centers or seven, I call them emotional centers. I find that interesting. You consider that we have seven messenger areas in our body or arch 
angels that kick up dirt or kick us in the rear when we need to know when something in our life is out of bounds. We don't cause the problem. And it doesn't excuse the people who act up in our lives. But it's definitely a sign that something in our life is out of balance. We can change the genetics. We can not forgive the people who are rude. But we definitely have to note when there is a very time coincidence when these things happen. And so there are seven of them, like a dashboard, warning light. These areas in our body are like angels that will light up warning us. We might have a backache when finances dry up. We might get chest pain warning us when someone in our life is giving us heartache. We may have neck problems or thyroid problems warning us that our voice doesn't matter, what we have to say doesn't matter, and so on and so on and so on. And what's fascinating is in the ancient temples, there was a metaphor for sacrifice, which is your body. And instead of you suffering, there was a table, your body suffering with health, health problems. Instead of you being sacrificed, there was a table that was a metaphor for you suffering. And we all have angels or messages in front of us, behind us, to the right and to the left that symbolize certain forms of messages. In our body, health-wise, we have the same. On the left side, it means symbolically something. On the right side, in front of us and behind us, they all mean symbolically something. Above us is the Shehina, which is a sign of the divine. And each problem you get in your life, each time you have, oh, I don't know, bankruptcy, a divorce, a tragedy, each time that happens, we rewire our brain with cortisol, norepinephrine, we get leakier, we're anxious, and we get more sensitive to empathy, intuition, and contact with the divine. We get closer to access to angels or messengers or, in fact, the big cheese, the big arc, the arcist of angels, the divine. They call it the Shehina. And we become one with spirit as we get more and more humble. And so you realize that in many ways, messages through our body, through our dreams, are holy watchers. They watch us over us at night, at work, with our family, and let us know what's going on in front of us, where we're going now, in the future, how that affects where we were recently behind us, what's in our right, what's in our left, who's on our right, who's on our left, and who's inside of us. So next time something happens in your body, in a relationship, in your heart, in your sleep, think about it. Is this an angel? Is it a run-of-the-mill angel? And where is it? Where is it? Where are all the angels? Is that person who criticized me an angel? What can I get? What message can I get from this? Remember, angels are holy watchers, which means we should watch and look for the angel 
in every situation. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and we're talking about where are all the angels. If you want to know more of the solutions to today's show, you want to go to my Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa, Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa 1, Twitter, Dr. Mona Lisa 2, and you know, of course, it's going to be social media thing, Dr. Mona Lisa 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. It's unbelievable. We're doing many readings here today, but if you can't get online and you want a private, the regular comprehensive two-hour reading or the mini one-hour reading, go to www.drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com or call 207-846-6475. We just finished, believe it or not, I was able to pull off the annual seven-day medical intuition summer camp training. I did it at my house. And the silver climbing the silver lining behind the COVID cloud, the messenger, believe it or not, was I'm never going to do another COVID inside. I mean, a COVID say. I'm never going to do a medical intuition training inside ever, ever, ever again. It was wonderful inside, outside. The cats would walk by. And every time it was time to break, they would scream and shriek. And that was it. Class ended. Time for a break. It was wonderful. I baked goodies. And there was a porter party I rented. Everybody got their own private umbrella and everything. So they, everybody got their own umbrella, their own table, their own chair. It was fabulous. So anyway, if you want to sign up for that next year, go to www.drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com, because you're going to have to get your own table, and there's going to be limiting to different everybody getting their own table and chair. Because who knows? I don't care what's going to happen next year. It will happen. Everybody was 20 yards apart, and we were all social distance, but we were together in heart. And this coming year in the spring, I'm going to do a five, four or five-day training with Sarah Griscom on Maori medical intuition training. Same thing, under a tent outside, social distancing, so it will make it safe because we're all getting sick and tired doing stuff online. We can do it social distance outside. So if you want to know more about that, it's going to be posted soon. I will go to Chantel, line one. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be of help? Oh, hello, Mona Lisa. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, Mona Lisa, I am um, a, a wellness being practitioner, and I you're a well, am... You're a, well, you're a wellness practitioner. Yeah, I help people with past life regression. You have and that esoteric. You have that esoteric accent. The first time yes, I ever went I'm on actually, radio. I'm actually English, and I grew up in the states, and I live. I know, in but you still have that esoteric accent. Someone was in my class this week, and she looked Greek. She looked like a Greek god. She was from Hawaii, and she had this voice like this. The oh, I see. I had, <laughs> the first time I had a radio show on Hay House, they had a commercial before me. It was um, this original psychic. She had a voice like this. Sylvia Brown. She goes, people, the angels want to talk to you. And then it was me. I sound like I'm a cab driver from New York. And the first thing I ever said on the radio was, I'm so not what you'd expect. (laughs) And that actually is the thing today, is that angels are not what you expect. So I asked the lady, you know, she's got, she looks Greek. She's got an accent like you, very esoteric, very esoteric, like purple velvet. I said, where are you oh. from? 
And she says, Massachusetts. I went, Massachusetts? There's no way you're from Massachusetts. So anyway. That's so funny. So, so <laughs> Chantel, how can I be of help? Okay, how, how can you be of help? Uh, Mona Lisa, um, I love my work that I do, but I'd also, I have a project where I'd like to start writing fiction again. But whenever I start a project, I quickly lose my enthusiasm. And then I just have this feeling it just isn't good enough. Well, first um, of all, the first thing I see is you look like you have voca- vocational infertility. There is a wonderful oh. song by Barbara Streisand. It's called Putting It Together. And it's the art of, of creating art is putting it together. And really, it's like a sperm and an egg creating. And you need a family, a house. You need a partner. You need someone supporting you. And I see that you work best in creation. And it doesn't mean that you're not in charge of it. But I see that you can be very focused. But then you pick someone who distracts you. I see someone in your life who is distracted. Either they have health problems, they have emotional problems, whatever it is. You end up having a partnership with this person and the third person always complicates it. And this distracts you. Part of it, you think that it's out of your hands. Part of you always sees the positive in this person. But you're... It's like this person's a shiny object and you have intuitive distractibility. Well, it's in fact, it's like intuitive ADD. Who is this person, Chantal? Um, I'm just wondering if it might be my boyfriend. We've been uh, together okay, for I'll a long you. time. He's not, a, he is not what you call a, um, a uh, rocket scientist. What does he do for a living? He builds houses. And uh, he's a very um, humane person. He loves people. So he has to be around people all the time. And we just see each other on the weekends because I have to live on my own. And, um, yeah, we, we, we can't live So you have to cause... live alone. You have, this is the key. You have to live alone. It feels like you do most of your work, I don't know, the medium stuff or the rare stuff during the week. And yeah. what you want to work on this fiction thing on the weekend but he distracts you. That's true. <laughs> He's I like love a puppy. He's I know. I didn't say you didn't love him, and I didn't say get rid of him. Yeah. He's like a puppy that ever, never always grows, never grows up, and is never house trained. That's true. <laughs> You've got it spot on. That's very funny. Um, um, let yeah. me ask you a question. If you really want to write fiction, you have to be disciplined. Yeah. I have a friend or a husband is a screenwriter. He writes like TV shows and then he writes for movies. And she is an intuitive. And you call her and she's like, right in the middle of the sentence, she goes, up, oh, got to go to work. And she'll like hang up on you. And you were like, okay, so considering, considering the uh, stock, oh, there she hangs up. She's very, even though she has severe ADHD, once she's on, she's on. Boom. She is very focused. And you don't know how to do that with your partner. You you get into the... You're a medium, but you have no boundaries. And you can't do that. If you want to write fiction, you have to put up a boundary in your right brain when it comes to him. I look at your head. 
You actually can do this by being a medium. I don't know what you do, but you're like a standard. You know how there's an automatic and there's a standard car? You know how to yeah. shift your gears during the week from client to client or whatever you do. You go first, second, and you go to park in between people. It's mechanical. You just mm-hmm. do it. However, it's like you're on Ritalin or something. But when you go to him, you take a drug holiday and you don't know how to focus. And as a result, unless you do something to have somebody help you, assist you with your attention, you won't be able to stay on task because it's a different demand. One of them is focusing on the ethereal field and the other one is focusing on the left hemisphere with words. It's a different task. I look at your esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. Someone smokes something. That distracts you. That makes it worse. You have a clean diet. I look at your left kidney, right kidney, bladder, uterus, left ovary, right ovary, and cervix if you still have them. I see something with the joints in your left hand. Can you please tell me your health concerns? Um, my health concerns, uh, I get, I'm a very nervous person. So when I get very nervous, um, everything goes to pieces. And as you say, I can become distracted very, very, very easily. No, uh, you don't get distracted very easily. I'm going to be very clear with you. You're very compensated with your career in a certain environmental situation. You know how to, you use environmental Ritalin. During Monday to Friday, you remove all human on earth distraction. And you know how to parse your readings. But when you introduce a puppy into the room, you can't focus on anything else but the puppy. So if you want to do that, you either have to manipulate it with chemistry, which is going to really mess you up. Who smokes something? Uh, Well, I used to take drugs when I was younger. I'm 54. I understand that. That didn't help you. And you can't do that again because that changes your circuitry. I can't figure out. Did you smoke a lot of marijuana? I did. I did, and I stopped it, and I took uh, other heavier drugs, and I stopped that. Um, did you smoke? Did you do a lot of LSD? No, no, but I took some heavy stuff like cocaine and okay. very heavy marijuana. Okay, so that explains that heavy marijuana and cocaine. So you use for attention. So the only thing that's going to help you pay attention with a puppy in the room is something that's a stimulant, and you don't want to do that. No. So. If he comes on the weekends, you're going to have to say from 9 to 12 on Saturday and from 9 to 12 on Sunday, I'm writing. So you have to go and do stuff. Yeah. If you can't do that, then that means your relationship is not maturing. And you put yourself and your creativity last. Okay. Do you understand what you're saying? It's not as important. Yeah, I get what you mean. Are you serious? I've got to be more disciplined about my time. Okay. 
No, it's not that no discipline. Don't think about that. What it is, is you're saying that you drop everything for him. That's different. He's like, a, yeah, he's a baby. <laughs> it's a bit of like no, a no, young but child that's or a puppy. It's very different. It's different. Yeah. You drop everything for him, which tells me you lose you in a relationship. Then I lose myself? Yes, I can. I have to be really careful So with that, that yeah. means that you can't have you when someone else is there. You lose okay. I, and it automatically becomes we. Yeah. That's codependence. You're either a dependent on drugs, or you become dependent when the other person's around you. That's very true. Yeah. You can't do that. And therefore, you could be the most brilliant writer. And we would never know what you're capable of. Tragic. Okay? That should okay. frighten you. Do you understand? It does. If he, loved, if he loved you and he was non-narcissistic, now there I'm throwing down a gauntlet. I've just thrown down the mic. If he was non-narcissistic and he really loved you, he'd say, I'm done. You're going to work from 9 to 12 and that's it. I am not going to be a distraction. Okay. Puppy my ass. Okay. Do you get it? Yeah. And We're either in a rela- eating relationship or we are sloppy. Okay. Good luck. You take it easy, okay? Okay. Thank you, Dr. Mona Lisa. Thank you so take much. Take it easy. Thank okay. you. Bye. We will Bye. go to Nadine, line three. Yes. Dr. Mona Lisa, how can I be of help? Hi, Dr. Morelisa. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just, I just was wondering if you see any guidance um, from my angels, my guardian angels, of um, just. Um, well, let, me tell I guess you, let me tell you what it is. So if you stood up, and your body, see, I see health, and other people see angels, but angels are health. You have to see it in this way. You know how people can have a cataract? And then every once mm-hmm. in a while, people have contact lenses. But in the movies, they have certain contact lenses that can make your eyes look like cats, right? So the universe gives you a lens that you can see the world so that you can get a message that you can understand. Do you understand? So mm-hmm. my uncle, my uncle Joe was dying of a brain tumor. Everybody in my family said he was seeing Jesus, that Jesus was sitting next to his bed. So I had to go down and ask him what Jesus looked like. Oh, we'll come back, okay? You want to listen? There's my music. When okay. we come back, we're going to talk about how you can find your angels and where are the angels anyway. You're listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. 
Welcome back to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Today's show has been talking about where are your angels? Where are you getting divine messages? Messages that are going to help illuminate you when you're in the dark, how to make decisions in your life. We're back to Nadine. Are you there? Yes. Yes, I'm here. Okay. So I was telling you about how universe, God, whatever you believe in, when you are in a catastrophe in your life, you'll get messages in a form, in an image that your brain, your memory, your way of seeing the world can understand. And so Mm -hmm. my uncle Joe was in the hospital with a brain tumor. And everybody said that he was said he was seeing Jesus with sheep. He said that sheep were in his hospital room. So I went all the way down there. I was at Brown. I go all the way to Rhode Island Hospital. And I go in there and there he is. Big, big bandage on his head. He had glioblastoma multiform. So I was willing to believe that he was in delirium, that he had brain chemistry problems. So he woke up. And I said, Uncle Joe, how are you? And he said, hi, Mona Lisa. And he knew who I was. And I said, people are saying that you're seeing Jesus. He says, oh, yeah, he's over there in the corner. I said, really? I didn't see Mm -hmm. anything. And he says, yeah, he has sheep and he's got the staff. And I said, so he looks like, he says, yeah, he looks just like the picture. So in his mind, (laughs) no, no, you have to understand. His wife, my Aunt Evie, has a a six foot high Jesus statue in her living room. It's Portuguese. Three Madonnas mm-hmm. bathtubs in the front yard. And it has the most highest density of crucifixes and re- religious regalias that you'll ever see. And so, of course, God, the universe, or whatever you believe in, would comfort him with images that he would understand in front of him. Mm-hmm. And in front of you is where you're going. Behind you is where you've been. To the right is, is one image, and to the left is the other. And some people, they need to see the angel with the wings. So, you know what I'm saying? There is all kinds of different prophets in different books that saw a wheel. There was a wheel, and there were angels with certain types of wings that had certain kinds of prongs and stuff. And then there was another guy who saw other kinds of angels when their wings had different other kinds of prongs. The anatomy was different. I remember because I've read these books. I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of the books right now. I'll tell you in a second. And then in a temple in Israel, there was a table where each, there was a square. And in front of you, the north, was Uriel, which had to do with cold and darkness before you. And behind you was Raphael. To your left was the west, sunset, and that was Gabriel. And to your right was Michael, sunrise, light. And above you was Shahina, which is the divine. And each one of those was a way of getting a message. They're archangels, they're chief messages. But lest we think... And there are three other ones because there are a total of seven. And you realize there are seven chakras or energy centers. But those mm-hmm. are the chief messengers. Every day we have other ones, like you might have a gallbladder problem. You know what I'm saying? But right. third, third center is in your body an archangel in the sense of it's a chakra. 
my point is when I look at your life, I see that people in your life can become like angels, forcing you, but you're ignoring those messages. I see you're a very porous or sensitive person, and you're refusing to see a message in a relationship with someone who's more distant, removed, and inaccessible. It feels like they're distant. You're trying to have a uh -huh. relationship with them, and it feels like you're trying to hold it together. Mm -hmm. You get messages about this, whether it's yes. symbols, dreams, or things like that, and you refuse to accept it. And so what you want are, I call vitamin R, re reassurance. So you want angels to reassure you. You want angels to tell you everything is going to be okay. And it doesn't work that way. You can't say, I, I'd like an angel of reassurance, please. It just doesn't work that way. It's like saying, I want a Big Mac at, uh, I don't know, Wendy's. You can't have it your way. That's McDonald's. <laughs> In your life, is that relationship the person is distant, removed, and inaccessible. Who is that? Well, I would say it's probably the gentleman that I've been dating. Okay. For a so while. You understand. Wait a minute. So rather than wait for an angel to tell you, reassure you that it's okay, tell me the messages you've gotten that have told you it's not okay. Because meanwhile, you've gotten all these messengers that have told you it's not. How many angels have to visit you to tell you it's not okay when you're asking for more? Remind me of that song in the 80s, More, 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 Gloria, what is it, Andrea True Connection. What mm -hmm. has happened to you that makes you think it's not okay? First of all, I look at your head. I see a pressure in your head area. I can't figure out it's vascular, hormonal, or what that is. It feels like a band around the front of your head. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. I see something different in the middle of your neck at C6, C7. It feels like it's sore. It also contributes to pain in your head. I see increased susceptibility of making antibodies against your thyroid gland. This isn't the first time this happened. You try to talk to this person and get them to reassure you that everything's okay. And they say it is, but you know it isn't. I look at your esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. I see an upset feeling in your stomach, that nameless discomfort that something isn't okay. It happens between 7 and 9 p.m. I look at your left kidney, right kidney, bladder, uterus, left ovary, red ovary, and cervix if you still have them. I see old adhesions in your pelvis. I can't figure out if something was lost, something removed, endometrial cysts. I can't figure out what it is. I look at your joints and your hands, wrists, elbows, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles. I look at your neck, upper back, lower back, and sacral areas. I see achiness at L5, S1, in the small joints of your hands. It feels like with less eat, eating less, it feels like your body's heavier. Can you please tell me your health concerns in the dean? 
Um, well, I actually have been feeling um, better the last six months. I have ulcerated colitis. So I, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have ulcerative colitis. Yeah, but I control it with diet. I know so that. Hold on. Where, where did you have problems with your ulcerative colitis? When did I start it? Four no, years where? ago, I got that. Okay, four years ago. How long have you been involved with him? Um, I've been involved with him for 12 years. <laughs> okay. So the last four, I know you're laughing because now you know. So one of the angels hit you right in the gut. I knew you had gut problems. That's an angel. It's third center. Your gut is your angel that lets you know that you know that everything isn't okay. Are you following me? And those things right. may get better. That's like saying my, my roof is leaking less than it was before, but it's still leaking. Mm -hmm. In the past... I saw there was a sign that he was distracted in your relationship. Do you know what I mean by distracted? I'm putting a very broad hint. Um, distracted, meaning maybe he's interested in someone else? Yes. Or you yeah. blamed yourself for being paranoid. Who was that person? You know, oh, I, I, yeah, I think it was the ex-girlfriend that you're, is that who you're, you're I mean. And so you blamed you're yourself for thinking you were suspicious and needy independent. Right? Um, I, well, I guess so, but yeah, maybe, possibly. I might have blamed myself or thought, oh, okay, I'm just overreacting. So what? Right. You know, exactly the person it. goes and meets the person for lunch. Wait a minute, wait a minute. No... He goes and meets her for lunch. I guess, yeah, he has in the past. When was the last time? Um, before last year, probably. But we were broken up for a short time. And he, the last site that I'm aware of was when we were broken up. Okay. You know, I've watched a lot of daytime TV. And whenever <laughs> they talk about unfaithfulness, they use an excuse of, well, we were broken up then. You know, when you're broken up, it's amazing how quickly they can get interested in someone else. When you were broken yeah. up with him... Did you get involved with somebody else? No, not really, no. No, mm -mm. right, because why? Because you were still trying to work out in your mind what's going on with him, right? Yeah. But not so much with him. Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, that, he, like you, you said, you kind of hit it on the head in the beginning when you said that this person seems distant. He's distant, but the thing is... Emotionally. Right, but that doesn't mean he's distant from you. It means he's distracted. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the point. You're a gut reactor. You developed this growing up. You knew when something was going on in your family. You felt it in your gut. When things are unsaid, unspoken, you feel it in your gut. 
Mm-hmm. It may be a little bit better now, but on some level, you know something's wrong. Yeah. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. It's a continuum between ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. You don't want con- uh, constant inflammation in your body, especially in your gut. It's not good. I want you to talk to a counselor about your pattern of looking the other way. Mm-hmm. Looking the other way and facilitating keeping a relationship together, even though the beginning signs of problems are there, only to have them stop you end the relationship and then you think it comes out of nowhere and you feel victimized. Do you understand? Yeah. Right. The last relationship so, you had, why how did it end? Well we're still you mean with him? We're still we're, we are still dating. I know the last relationship you had before him, how did it end? Oh yeah, that was my divorce. <laughs> and why did um, it end? Why did it end? Well, my ex was um, he was very demeaning and he had some addictive behaviors and there were many reasons. I was, was married 17 was he, years to he him. He was married 17 years. Who asked for the divorce? Mm-hmm. Him or you? He did. Thank you. And was he having an affair? He was, but ultimately, yeah, he was. He but was. I just never My found point out is, about I understand it. That. I understand, but you somehow knew. Your health knows. The angel is your mm-hmm. gut. Many people think angels mm-hmm. come to door to door. Yours happens to live in your digestive tract. You're lucky. Yeah. I always see 444. Four, four. I don't know about the numbers. All I know is okay. it's 333. Three, three. It's in your body. It's not to the mm-hmm. right. It's not to the left. It's not in front of you or behind you. Well, you could say it's in your behind. It's in your gut. You carry it with you. Mm-hmm. It lets you know, but you don't want to listen to it. So you keep looking for, you keep going from angel make specialists excuses. to another. Get it. It's not excuses. You just. No, I mean, I make excuses from, like for him, you for know, him. for him in my mind, like, oh, well, you know, he you only know, has so much, you know, emotional, you know. Let me tell you one last thing. I used mm-hmm. to roll a, I, I used to water ski. It's a funny thing with water, water skiing. You get up on the skis, but eventually you fall. You always fall. Mm-hmm. You can't stay up all the time because somehow someone's got to get up on the skis. The problem is right. once I fell, I didn't want to let go of the rope. Right. <laughs> and if you do that, the water just pushes in your eyes and it's very painful. The problem is these kind of relationships you have are going to end. They look like they're right. ending. And you don't want to let go of the rope. So what they do, yeah. they cut you off. They slowly wean you. And then you feel victimized. Mm-hmm. Let go of the rope. Talk to a counselor. You know something's wrong. It's dwindling. Good luck. You take it easy. Thank you. Bye-bye now. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. We will go to Anna, uh, Hannah, line four. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be of help? Hi. You said Hannah? Yes, Hannah. Okay, just wanted to make sure I was. No, nope, you're me. right. I was mispronouncing it. Anna, Hannah. Bang, it's bang, Hannah. Anna, but anyway. You say it. anyway, yes, how can how, I be of help? Um, I'm not really sure. I didn't have a question because I really feel lost. Um, I don't seem to have a direction right now, and I feel like I'm just kind of. You know, I'd say I'm depressed, but I'm not sure that I'm really depressed as much as I'm without direction. 
Well, the first thing I see is your major purpose in life, Hannah, feels like you feel best when you're nurturing something. You feel best, you feel like you have a purpose when you're taking care of something. And you don't have an object of that. You don't have someone to nurture. Whether it's a plant or a puppy, like the first lady, or a child, it feels like a major development stopped, ended, and they left, and now you have this emptiness. And if you did have somebody else, they're like frustrated or ambivalent about you that you can't really take care of them. You can't really nurture them. On some level, you don't know you're lovable unless you're needed. So you can't feel love unless you're nurturing someone. Who do you live with, Hannah? I live with my daughter, two sons, my husband, and wait a minute. Uh, wait occasionally, a minute. my and my. <laughs> wait a minute. You live with okay. your daughter, two sons, and occasionally who? Uh, well, my husband. Well, he's kind of occasional, and then my grandson um, is here about every two weeks for about two weeks. The husband is occasional. That's there's a story there. I mean, he lives here. I understand that, but you said occasional, which is interesting. You didn't say occasional to the daughter. You didn't say occasional to the son or the grandson, although the grandson was intermittent. You said the husband was occasional. How old are the daughters and the sons? My daughter's 14. Uh, I have a 21-year-old college son, and then the one who, the um, son who's 29 who's got the grandson is temporarily here. Okay. What is the 14-year-old like? What is her personality like? She's got a great personality. She's um, she's um, very ambitious. She's motivated. She's She tries okay. to stay positive. She's ambitious and motivated. Does she need you less? Um, probably less than she did, yeah, but still quite a bit. But yes, a lot, yeah, a lot less than she did. But I homeschool her also, so she still does need I, me. Okay, that makes sense. But you homeschool her. Mm-hmm. If she's ambitious and driven, and you homeschool her, you're about to be laid off. Right. Because your major purpose in life is being a mother, nurturing. And your children are growing up. They eventually mm-hmm. will no longer need you. And you're about to lose your job. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. I do. What does your husband do for a living, and why is it intermittent that he's around? He um, has his own business. He's a printer, and he just really checks out a lot. And so he works long hours, and um, he also plays poker. So between the two things, he... You get most of your nutrients through your children. Mm-hmm. I look at your head. I look at your neck. I look at your thyroid. I look at your heart. Your body feels like it's logged, saturated with fluid. I look at your left lung, right lung, left breast, right breast. I see bilateral densities in both breasts. 
I look at your esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. I see a capacity, an increased susceptibility of taking everybody's feelings and converting them via worry and nervousness, anxiety, to excess cortisol, which goes to the nearby pancreas and messes up your insulin and blood sugar. So you have disproportionate insulin and blood sugar to what you eat. I see a capacity to have pockets in your bowel, abdominal distension and bloating. I look at your left kidney, right kidney, bladder. I see increased susceptibility of having right upper quadrant tenderness in your stomach, near where your liver and gallbladder would be underneath your ribcage. I look at your left kidney, right kidney, bladder, uterus, left ovary, right ovary, and cervix if you still have them. I see fatigue, dragginess, melancholy, sadness that's aggravated by changes in estrogen and progesterone, but mostly your mood is tethered to people who need you and your children need you less. And since your husband is very much left brain detailed logic, you know, printing is left brain details, He's not really connected to you. Can you please tell me your health concerns? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I have, I have uh, like a, what's it called? I can't even think of it right now. I have a tumor in my, um, why can't I think of what it's called? It's benign. It is just coming, so I'm going blank on it. I have a tumor in my yeah. brain. Um, in your uterus? No, in my in my brain. You have a tumor um, in your brain. I do. I've had it for like about oh, seven or eight. Years, I don't know, maybe ten years, and I um, I would know its name any other time, and I don't know why it's been coming to me. Hypothalamus? No, no, it's um, it's up in the um, parietal region. It is um, menin- meningioma. You have a meningioma. How big is it? The last I had it checked, I think it was around two centimeters, and there's actually a smaller one underneath of it. I haven't had it checked yet this year because of COVID. So how t- how tall are you? I'm five five. How much do you weigh? Oh, uh, probably about 140. Have you gained weight? During, recently, yes. I think I like stressy. Well, I know I have. Has your has that tumor changed over recently? I don't know. I don't know. Last year it had grown a little bit when I had it checked. I think that was in February, so I was due to have it checked this February, but um, I put it off. And you need to check because you also need to get a neuropsychological assessment because that tumor in the right parietal lobe affects the the relationships. Divided attention between you and other people. And that could influence your feelings of feeling alone and disconnected from other people. Do you understand? I think. It does. Okay. It just does. Um, When people meditate, the right parietal lobe changes um, in its metabolism. And that's why people get a sensation that you and I are one. Oh. A lot of times when people get a tumor in the right parietal lobe, it influences 
their capacity to see, facial expressions, hear, emotional tone in people's voices. You need to get that checked because okay. it may exaggerate your sense of relationship and closeness with the people around you. Do you understand? I think I do. I would maybe be less sensitive if I didn't have the tumor. Um, it would make it, it just changes it, and it's hard to know. Okay. So you need to make that, and that may explain in part, but not completely, why this is the way it is. It certainly doesn't explain why your husband's away a lot, but it would mean that you need more support. Once your kids get older, it complicates it. In many ways, your children provide right brain that you have problems because kids are like a right brain emotional, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. You have a problem there. Do you understand? I think so. And also right brain that whenever you had a problem there, that seventh center has to do with purpose in life. Why am I here? And that's exactly what you said. You're overwhelmed by life. And you really don't know what your purpose is. Right. That's very true. You really need to evaluate that. And when people have problems with their brain, especially the right brain, it gives you mystical and intuitive abilities. So in and itself is an angel. But you're going to need a lot of support to help you with rehab, with neuropsychological assessment, speech and language pathology, and so on. That is your angel. It resides in you. I want to thank you for welcoming me into your day. You've been listening to Intuitive Health. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.